You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, this is Bill Nestor Holmes, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast. Welcome back to the Epic Marvel Podcast. I'm your host, Curtis Findlay. And I know some of you may be expecting to hear the second half of our Hulk episode, Hulk Must Die. But we have to put a pause on that just to figure out some scheduling things. But it's timely that we have to pause because I have a very important episode to share with you today. I have an interview with Bill Messner-Lobes. Now, when I contacted Bill, he said, You know my my career is like 5% Marvel, right? And yes, I did know that. He spent some time on Thor, and we will be talking about that. But I definitely wanted to make sure that uh, I talked to him because he's gone through some hard times lately. And maybe you've seen the Fox News interview where he talks about how the fact that he was homeless for a while. And I'll link to that interview on my uh, on the website, epicmarvelpodcast.com, in case you missed it. You can check that out. Um, but the reason why I'm doing this interview today is because there's a special event coming up. Um, there's been a big campaign to help Bill raise some funds to just keep, help him get back on his feet. Right now, he's he's okay. He's living in a in a, a temporary space right now, but he, it, you know, it, it's tough when you've exhausted your resources due to unforeseen circumstances and have to kind of start from scratch. So. You can go to GoFundMe.com slash Bill Messner Lobes and help help out. You can read his story there, make a donation. Um, I'm sure he would really appreciate it. I think we'd all really appreciate it. But the special event that's coming up, um, and I'm, we talk about this in the interview, but just in case you don't make it all the way through, I'm going to tell you this info right now so you don't miss it. The Great Lakes Comic Expo in Madison Heights, Michigan, on September 29th, 2018. This is an event that happens every year. And Bill has been um, a special guest every single year. But this year, he's going to be the guest of honor. And at 4.45 on September the 29th, there's going to be a benefit auction um, in support of him, where all of the proceeds are going to go to helping him out. So if you go to greatlakescomicexpo.com slash halfway auction, you can uh, you can even take part even if you're nowhere in Michigan you can you can bid on items by uh, by proxy uh, through the website you can get all the details there but if you are in Michigan you can head over to the United Foods and Commercial Workers Hall 876 Horace Brown Drive on September 29th and and um, you can meet a bunch of great artists including Bill himself he'll be there doing sketches signing autographs um, talking up a storm with all the people who want to meet him and then, yeah, take part in the auction that afternoon. So now the interview with Bill Messner-Lopes. This is some great stuff. He's got some stories. It's not all Marvel. We talk about a variety of different things. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Bill Messner-Lopes. One of the defining characteristics of, of you, I guess, is the fact that you have just one arm 
<laughs> and so, and that is, uh, um, that's something that you've had to live with your entire life, is that right? Well, I had to live with. It's funny, because I have those little speech that I give to kids at uh, the Panera Bread where I work. Yeah. Especially during the summer when you're when I'm just wearing the short sleeve shirt, so it's actually fairly obvious that I only have the one arm, and I can hear. I can hear, It's easy to hear the kids asking their parents, "Why do you only have one arm? How did you lose it?" And of course, they don't know. Right. So I usually go over and I introduce myself, and because I feel like they they really ought to have a face to a dis- disability, and. Also, I know the parents are just humiliated. <laughs> yeah. And, and these kids are like, you know, maybe six or seven or, or sometimes younger. And, uh, you know, I explained that I had uh, I had a cancerous tuba on my arm uh, when I was born. And uh, in 1959, uh, 1949, sorry, they, they, didn't, they didn't know what to do, really. Kids are so very seldom are actually born with cancer. Right. So, but they just took the whole arm off, and it's it, it worked out great. I, I often people often would ask me, yeah, 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 you seem to have a good attitude about it, and and that kind of thing. And, and well, I guess I do. Uh, my my uh, my parents were were careful to. Told me that I could do anything anybody else could, and I generally can. Very, very few things that really needs absolutely need two two hands to do. But but I I just I just feel like this is a uh, especially now now that there's all this talk about oh well we have to watch out for political correctness and and so forth, which often means you end up insulting people. And I um, and very often people will prove that they're not politically correct by going after people who who have disabilities. Right. And so I just I just feel like I try to be a good public space. Yeah. And I love um, I love the fact that you've had a long career in comics despite that. I mean, like you said, you you only need one hand to to draw, <laughs> and and you were an incredible artist. I only found that out watching the Fox News interview that you had one arm. I had no idea reading the, these comics and such. And it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> when did you just, when did you uh, start to learn to draw? I learned how to draw pretty much the way everybody learns to draw. I, I, I did not go to art school. and I, I actually took very few art courses while I was in college because um, if you took fine arts, it tended to be abstract expression of them, which makes it difficult to uh, to do comments. And I, even back then, I knew I wanted to do comments, but I also was not clever enough to realize that you should be taking commercial art rather than rather than fine art. Okay, I would have probably learned more about the tools and and things that I that I needed if I had done that. So I just learned the way everybody does by, by looking at comics, and and I I learned an awful lot by I joined a couple of art studios, and if you even if if none of you are very good <laughs> at that point, you all get better very very quickly. Um, well, Eisner used to tell me that that was the best thing 
he always advised people to kids to get together and and put together an art studio to put out put out comics because you would all learn from one another and you learn much quicker. Uh, and of course, that was what happened when he did it because at the dawn of comics, he put together one of the first mm-hmm. comics art studios. Right. And so, when did you have your first work published? I joined a, a little little art studio in East Lansing, Michigan, and we were trying to desperately we were trying to put out uh, as close to com- Marvel Comics as we possibly could. Mike Gustavich and Joe Zabel and Bruce Bennett were the were the three other art- artists at that, and uh, Mike was the most accomplished of all of us. And so we learned a lot of, of things from him. And so we put out Night Witch and uh, Cobalt Blue and Bluebird. And uh, that, that fell apart after less than a year. And then I went looking for other art studios. So then I, I joined A-plus comics in, uh, on, on the west side of Detroit. And the comic that we put out was an anthology book called A Plus Comics. Okay. And what I essentially did was uh, I put together a, uh, a sort of a t- my my contribution to that was my first book about the uh, the Bayou of Death. It, it was actually a uh, uh, the Bayou of Death versus Gurk the Hero Worm in the uh, in in the Worm the Hare in the Desert. And it was sort of an Italian western, oh, with uh, with animal characters. Awesome! That sounds great. And uh, and then I uh, went into another anthology book called Nucleus, and it was where we put out a couple of issues of Nucleus, my my friend Tim and I, and uh, we ended up going to to a, uh, a convention in uh, in Canada. Oh yeah. That while we were at this convention, it was a uh, it was a very free form kind of convention, and we I met Dave and Benny Singh there. Oh, okay. And so they saw the third issue, which is mostly my stuff in one one incarnation or another. And about half a year later, Denny called me and said that she'd like to see some. Uh, uh, some samples, so I did. I sent along some more samples, and then she asked me to contribute to unique stories, nice. uh, which was going to be a backup to Cerebus the Ardvar, right? That they were putting out, and the idea was that, that Dave was trying to. It was a, it was originally a, a twenty-four page book, and she he wanted to fatten it up to thirty-two pages. I what well, was going to be the uh, two a two issue eight-page story, Denny called me after I did the second one and, and and said, well, you know, could you keep going? Because I haven't found enough people yet. <laughs> yeah. And so, and I had been thinking, boy, you know, this is, there's a lot of room in here yet, but I could, I could do a lot of things with this. Nice. And so I did a third issue, and then I did a fourth issue, and, and finally uh, we did enough uh, I think I think I did six four-page uh, stories, and uh, it was it was Welcome to Heaven, Doctor Franklin, 
uh, where Benjamin Franklin dies and goes to heaven and finds out that God is Marcus Aurelius and he's dead. <laughs> and he's mad. Oh, boy. And so he has to uh, get all the other dead people in heaven to uh, help create a second revolution and uh, an overthrow God. <laughs> and eventually that God actually got collected by somebody or other. And I, I can't remember the name of the uh, of the company that did it, but it's a company that, that basically does, does revivals and, and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So that's floating around, too. All of you who want to uh, Google, welcome to heaven, Dr. Franklin. So because of that, I, I, was, I was available in six issues rather than just the two that everybody else had, and they got more comments, not unreasonably, so my, my book and uh, my stories than, than anybody else's, and they asked me if I would do a series. And that's how I, I ended up creating uh, Journey, the Adventures of Wolverine McAllister. Right. So tell me a little bit about Journey and creating Journey. Well, Wolverine McAllister was a character that every time, and I think this is pretty common, every time I would have get a new pencil or a new ink or a new technique of some kind, he was one of the three characters that I would uh, draw and then render. So he'd been kicking around in my head since I graduated from college. But I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted to have sort of a, a weathered old frontiersman. So I decided to make him as old as I could conceive of somebody being and and still be sentient and, and capable of thought and all of that. And so uh, I made him 40 years old. And I now I realize that he could easily be my son. And I basically set him in, in Michigan. And I, I had originally been putting him in, in the 1830s, which is sort of the age when the, when the mountain men existed. But the more, I, the more research I did, the more I realized that it would be so much easier to be able to do research for early Michigan than it would be to be we're trying to do research about California, right? a place I had never been. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I moved him like back to 1810 instead, and uh, it turned out to, to work pretty well. And so I sent him on a journey across Michigan, basically from Dearborn, Michigan, over to uh, Grand Rapids which is on the, on the uh, west coast of Michigan. Right. It's a, it basically, the story is a, a man who is uh, he's a trapper and a, uh, and a guide, but he's basically trying to escape from civilization, but because he's constantly running into civilized lunatics and having to save them from the, themselves, he, he's bringing the civilization with him. As he goes. Nice. Has has this story been collected recently? Like, can people find it, or is this uh, something that people have to hunt for these days? Uh, IDW collected it and in two coffee table volumes uh, about ten years ago now. Okay. IDW was was interested in collecting it, and 
unfortunately, IDW collects so many things that they're still trying to find press time to do it. Oh, yes, they're quite busy. Because they're the same people that were doing the maps. Right. And the idea was to do a match series of Journey or of Epicurus the Sage, which is another book that Sam Keith and I did. Right. So there was there was some question about that. But it's still, I, I spoke to people uh, when I was in San Diego last year, and I haven't heard back yet. So, as often happens uh, yeah. in comics, things set up really quickly, and then they fall through, and then they come back. And patience is, is the thing that's mostly required. <laughs> wow. Well, you mentioned Max in working with uh, Sam Keith. Can you tell me how that collaboration came to be? Because I loved that comic. I, I read that one uh, when it first came out, and I loved the, the animated series that followed. But, yeah, let me know a little bit about um, about the creation of Max. Well, the third issue of Journey that I did, I ended up on my first trip to, to San Diego. And Harvey Kurtzman was doing a chalk talk in a little motel there. Any of you who have been to San Diego, you know that the different features of the convention are sort of scattered all around town. Right. It's such a huge convention. That's right, yeah. So I got there, and there was a line two blocks long going to the hotel to get in to see Harvey Kurtzman. Wow. And it ha- as it happened that there were two 13-year-old boys in front of me, and one of the things that I had with me were the third issue of Journey. And so I'm, I'm, I'm talking, we, we got to talking because it seemed like we probably were not going to go in, get in to see Harvey Kurtzman that day. And in fact, that was true. They, they canceled the line and I went to, I offered to buy the books. Nice. And, but they were thrilled that I was an actual comic book artist and that I actually had an actual comic book with me. And as only 13 year old boys can be. <laughs> And one of the people that was with me that on that first trip was Bill Willingham. He came up to me and said, I might have been I might have just been hired by Marvel. And so I turned back and the boys were gone. And I, I felt bad. I felt like, oh geez, I was a you know, I'd offered to buy them cokes and now I ignored them. Well, one of those boys was Sam Keith. Oh really? And when I got back to California the next year, he had actually been sitting trying to to ape my style using that one book of of Journey that I had given him. And, of course, he was instantly better at it than I was. He had done, like, a couple of of, of short series trying to learn, and then he uh, did a a couple of fake ads for the inside of Journey for us. Nice. And I introduced him around, and he was able to start inking uh, Mage for Matt Wagner. Oh, okay. And he was the one that heard that there might be an opening to do Johnny Quest. And I knew that Sam was was was, uh, was worried that he would o- o- always only be an inker. Well, uh, you know, a couple of years later, um, when Piranha Press started... I uh, I pitched on the idea of Epicurus the Sage with Sam as the artist. And we, we did a couple of those, and it worked out really well. And then Sam contacted me, and uh, 
he had been doing covers for for Wolverine and wanted to uh wanted to do his his series the max nice and he uh he asked me if I would be willing to uh to write it what an incredible story all because you were standing in line um to see Harvey Kurtzman that's so that's great well, yeah and of course I did eventually see that truck talk a couple of years later yeah <laughs> that's good unfortunately I didn't get to see it with Sam but and of course, I turned him down. By the way, I turned him down for the writing the Max because at that time I didn't like the company that was that was distributing the image books. Oh yeah, and there were a couple other reasons too. Where it was uh, everybody was telling me because everybody tells you stuff that anthology books don't sell. And we were, Mark Max was originally going to be part of an anthology book. And that uh, image was already past its prime. <laughs> and so there was no point in actually doing it. And, and I, was all, I was actually writing five books at that point. Oh, wow. And so I really didn't have a great need to put myself through another, uh, uh, the caving in of another company. So, but Sam came back three times and asked me to do the backs, and finally I gave in and let him make me as rich as I'd ever been in my life. <laughs> because we ended up selling a million and a half copies. Yeah, that's incredible. So it just goes to show you that I have, I have no judgment about my own career. You've also done work for, uh, of course, DC. You've done a lot of work for DC over the years. What are some of the highlights? What are the, the the books that you really enjoyed working on there? I know, like Wonder Woman, Flash, but what was your favorite? Mm. I think the book that I enjoyed I enjoyed most was Flash because uh, no one was absolutely sure how to do it. It had been, there were like nine issues that had already been done, and uh, the, uh, the writer who had done it realized that he, what he really wanted to do was punish her. And so he he just he just left, and it was it was sort of funny because uh, I I remember hearing through the grapevine that that nobody could figure out what I was doing with Flash because it didn't have the same kind of arc that all books that they thought they you know they thought all books would you know you would you would have a high and a low. And every every week, every month, uh, people just kept coming back, and it was uh, like at that time, uh, seventy thousand copies was like a good mid-range book, but it never, uh, you know, it never went down, and people just kept coming back and back and back for it. Well, that's good. Um, and they so they pretty much left us alone as much as you ever get left alone. We had we have there was a, a maxi series that all the books were encouraged to participate in, and you got to pick one of the one of the areas of the world where the aliens were were coming in, and so they asked they asked me to uh, choose one, and I picked Cuba, so I was able to do Fidel uh, Castro as as Wally West's sidekick. <laughs> In fighting the aliens, and I was able to do a uh, a late 
middle-age romance between Wally's mom and Fidel Castro. <laughs> wow. Which is, is one of those things that you never think you're going to be able to do. No, for sure. <laughs> That's great. How did you end up at Marvel um, in the in the mid-90s? Hmm, how did I end up at Marvel? Uh, well, I had, done, I had done one issue of What If, uh, which is What If uh, J. Jonah Jameson adopted Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Warren Ellis had done a really great four-issue miniseries with Thor. And I had gotten to know people over at Marvel to a degree, and they, and they were looking around for somebody who could follow Warren Ellis, and they asked me if I would be interested in doing it. So that was, that was, it was just, you're, you're there, and they're there, and, and they ask you if you'd like to try. Yeah. So Warren Ellis had left things pretty shaken up in that book at the time, Thor. You know, he didn't have his powers. Did you have any instruction? Because Ralph Macchio was your editor at the time. Did he give you anything like, this is where I'd like it to head, or did he kind of leave it up to you to, uh, to decide Thor's future at this point? Well, I did a couple of things. I, it seems as though every time I would take over a new book, there would be, you know, like with, when I first took over Flash, there were all these super speedsters in, in that universe who had sort of taken over Central City, except for Wally, who had lost his powers. Oh, yeah. And, and now you had, you know, the, the God Squad with all these different Thors in Thor, except for Thor, right. who had now lost his powers. That's right. And I thought that was kind of an interesting place to, to start because uh, you could be showing that Thor didn't necessarily need godlike powers to be able to still be a hero. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that he was that he was actually his girlfriend was now a, was now the enchantress who was uh, you know a force of evil, right? And and so so I thought that was. That was really a fun thing to play with. I had a whole... Uh, at that time, Asgard had disappeared. Uh, and they and they, they were... The two of them were the last Asgardians kind of trapped on Earth. And my original idea was that Thor was going to be sort of traveling around the world finding the other Asgardians who were also embedded in, 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 in mundane lives on Earth. Hmm. And there were a bunch of other things that I had thought of doing, including making bold out of the, the bold evil and Loki good for mm-hmm. a short period of time so that he and he and Thor could team up. But we didn't know that at that point that all the uh, Avenger books were going to be canceled and re and recast. Right. Yeah. It was uh it was kind of a surprise for all of us. So I really only got to do about a half a year of Thor, something like that. Right. And I got I got to do my favorite issue of all time, in a way. Okay. Marvel, and I imagine with this being kind of a Marvel podcast, everyone listening realizes that Marvel was, certainly at that time, was kind of a top-down company. 
they were very interested in controlling the characters and making sure the characters stayed in character and all of that. Right. Well, when I started, and I don't know quite how this happened, but they were like two or three issues behind. And as I said, I was working, I was working on several books, but there was a little bit of air that I had, so I just decided I will, I will bear down and get as many issues of Florida done as I possibly can to get us caught up. And they had really asked me to do that. So I, so I did that. I turned in my you know, last issue, and I was relaxed, and I was, had that sort of blurry, half-intoxicated feeling that you get when you've been working really hard, and you've actually accomplished all the things that, that you were supposed to accomplish. And, yeah. and I could hardly wait for the editor to, to call up and, and find out what I, what I, how I'd done with the last story. And he said, and he called up, and he said, oh, Bill, we're so thrilled. You really have done just what we wanted. And they were, I was so pleased to be reading this book, and there's, I don't really have any notes for that. But the problem is that we can't, we can't count, because we were actually one more issue late. Oh, no. <laughs> and as you know, this is, this is, this is a uh, assistant editor month. Well... I'm going in one direction to one convention, and my assistant editor is going in the other direction. And we need another issue of Thor, well, pretty much today. What? <laughs> and trying not to make my voice squeak today. And he said, well, over the weekend, this was Friday. And, wow. and he said, could you, could you write another issue and then... Like, and this was just about the time when you could actually fax things using a computer. And he said, if you could fax that over to the uh, artist, say, on Monday morning. Wow. And I said, well, okay, but but who's going to check it? You know, I mean, I can I, I write it, but it would, nobody would, because at this point, there would be nobody that I could send it to. And... And he said, well, Bill, we trust you. <laughs> nice. Wow. We trust you with one of the Avengers. <laughs> Do whatever you want with him for an entire issue. And so I turned it into kind of a musical comedy, <laughs> it turns out. And the only thing, the yeah, only note he ever gave me when, 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 he, when he actually got a chance to see it three weeks later uh, was we might have put in another couple of scene changes. <laughs> I realize that whenever I've had a chance to do things, I, I tend to be more of a lighthearted kind of a story rather than a, a darker or, or a more resonant story, which probably would have actually gotten me more work. There's a lot of tragedy and, and sadness in it, but there's so much tragedy and sadness in comics generally. But I just feel like, you know, when you ha when I had a chance to do it, I wanted to do something that was sort of lighthearted and, and give people a little hope. Well, that's a funny story. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. Our, I don't want to keep you too long, so I do want to get to the other part of this interview, which is talking about kind of your more recent years. And you were recently on Fox News because the the story came to them that you'd been 
living in your car for a while, like you've fallen on some hard times. And um, I, I mean, I don't know what to, to say about this, except that uh, through an unfortunate series of events, you ended up homeless. That's true. It was, uh, we basically, uh, we had a gas leak in, a, in a, the trailer that we were living in. And uh, the county condemned it. So we, uh, we, couldn't, we could no longer live there. And we thought we would, might be able to just go and, and get a mortgage, but it turned out that I, I, uh, we didn't have the, uh, the right credit rating. So while we were, we were trying to get enough money together to be able to just buy a place without a mortgage. And that turned out to be trickier than we realized because almost everything, including renting, renting an apartment or getting another trailer or anything, all revolves around what your credit rating is. Right. So we weren't quite sure what to do. And where we were living, which is the place we've been living now for, for the county that we've been living in uh, here in Michigan for 20 years, not only are all our friends here and my work is here, my, my Panera work where I, where I deliver for Panera, but this is where all our, our doctors are and, and all of that. So we really didn't necessarily want to leave, but we didn't know quite what else to do either. Right. And so we ended up living in the car for a while and, uh, there's a the, the different churches were were doing something to bring all those people uh, from one church to another uh, for the winter. Right. Yeah. And that's that's where Eric from Fox News heard about us from his uh, father-in-law and came and interviewed me. So where are you today? Like, what's uh, um, you're not in your car anymore. No, we were in a, we were in the one place in Livingston County where you can kind of uh, rent a place. It's actually there are, there are three or four motels where you can where you can rent a room. Right, and that's where we're staying now. Nice. So that's well, that's good, especially as we get closer closer to the fall and the winter. Um, and then you have uh, a good relationship with the Great Lakes Comic Expo which is held in Madison Heights every year, right? Right. Yes, I've been, I've been going there for, for many years now, and we sort of mutually support each other. And, and this year they're going to have you as the guest of honor, and there's going to be a benefit auction that's going to help you because, you know, you still, with your credit rating or whatever it is, still are kind of in the same situation, right? So you need, we, we need to help you out. This is the community coming together to support you. Yes. We're, we've been incredibly touched by how much everyone has, has helped us out. And they helped help me put together a GoFundMe page, and we're just trying to do without trying to spend as little money as possible while we, while we save money to try to to try to get into some place. Yeah, and that's not an easy thing to do is to, you know, keep up saving while you still have expenses, monthly, weekly expenses that, that keep on coming up. So um, all of you listeners out there, uh, if you go to greatlakescomicexpo.com slash halfwayauction, 
um, on September the 29th, there's going to be an auction in that, and all the proceeds are going to go to help out Bill um, and his wife. And you can actually be a part of it because they're going to have the auction not only live, but they'll have it online too. So even if you can't make it out to Michigan, you can still be a part of it. If you can make it out to Michigan um, on September the 29th at 4.45 is when the benefit auction is. And this is at, let's see, where is the, the Great Lakes Comic Expo? United Foods and Commercial Workers Hall, 876 Horace Brown Drive. Is that, is that right? That's right. Okay. And you and you will be there? Will you be signing books or doing some sketches or anything like that? Oh, I definitely will be. And I have a friend who's actually bringing a bunch of his maxis. Uh, so I will have other things to sign for people. And uh, I did, I've done up some... Uh, I did some blank covers uh, in color. Nice. And, uh, and I've done um, several watercolors. Sounds like it's going to be a great time. I certainly hope it's going to be a great time. It sounds like a great time. And come by the table, and I'll I'll tell you stories. And nice. Do sketches and make myself a a good guest. Wonderful, that's great. So, as you look back at your career, you've worked for like pretty much every major and almost every minor comic book company that's out there. Um, what has been the one thing that you're the most proud of? Mm. Well, I think it would have to be Journey. Yeah, that's not a surprise. Because I don't somebody, think. somebody said once that the Wolverine McAllister would actually have been the sort of character who would be a, somebody else's sidekick. And uh, so I, I, I created something that was pretty, pretty much unique in the world. Because I, uh, I put all my different things, I put in history, and I put in science fiction, and I put in myth, and I was able to kind of all make it into a coherent whole. And it was the sort of thing that I, I really had wanted to do, and I ended up accomplishing it. Mm-hmm. I, I love it when you can turn to the first page and, like, written by you, drawn by you, lettering by you, inking by you, everything is, like, this is fully your work and it's uh, I, I guess it would probably be safe to say that this is the journey is your magnum opus I would say that it was yeah. I, uh, and I'm hoping that, you know I mean every once in a while somebody comes along and asks me to uh, to do a sequel of some kind and I would not be a, uh, I would not object to that but you just need to I need to get some place that's a, a little less floaty and I am right now. Right. It's too bad that we, were, you know, we were we were never able to actually find a way to to monetize our journey of all the all those eighties books that that came up, all the independent books. None of none of us ever made the kind of money that made them self supported. Really. Yeah, it's a tough business. But I always loved Journey, and I'm I'm pleased that every once in a while somebody comes and, and along and collects it again. Well, if it's been 10 years since the last one, I'm hoping that it'll get a new life, a new lease on life sometime soon. Maybe IDW can get it, uh, get another print run out there or something. Hey, IDW, if you're listening, <laughs> get on that. <laughs> wow. Well, thanks, Bill. Thanks for talking with us. This was fantastic. And um, I'm sh- we'll, we'll see what we can do to spread the word about the, the benefit auction. And yeah, do you, do you have a, a presence on Facebook or anything? Is there, if you, 
if people wanted to get in touch with you? Oh, well, I, I'm on Facebook. Bill Mastelobes uh, will, will get you to me. And uh, you can also uh, get me uh, on, on my GoFundMe page. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm not as, uh, as digital literate as, as, as I should be. So I'm not exactly sure how all that works. Yeah, if you can't get out to the auction or you don't want to take part in that, you can make a direct donation to help out Bill um, by going to GoFundMe.com slash Bill Messner Lobes. And, yeah, I, I mean, that's that's a great place to help support him. Yeah, and and if you're, if you're trying to get a hold of me on, on Facebook, you may have to be a little, a little patient, too, because <laughs> right. uh, if, if I have a second... Um, you know, I have a I have a job. I'm not always able to to, to keep keep as in touch as uh, as I would like. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'd be, I'm glad to talk to you. Thanks. That's great.